Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Where else can we go when this country turns on us? That's the question writer and commentator Wajahat Ali wrestles with in his recent column for the Daily Beast called, Is it time for me to leave America? And it sounds like a question a lot of you, our listeners, have been thinking about too, judging from the response we got to our call out a couple of weeks ago, even if for practical or financial reasons, you really cannot leave. We'll look at what's happening in this political and cultural moment that's causing people to lose faith in the U.S. and talk to Ali about why, in the end, he says he knows he will stay. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Mass shootings, racism, our backsliding democracy— The taking away of a constitutional right with the overturning of Roe, those are some of the reasons you, our listeners, gave when we asked if you found yourself lately wanting to leave the U.S. Yes, one listener wrote, recording artist based in Long Beach, California, looking into options to move with my toddler and partner. It's so complicated to move, but I can't imagine sending my little one to school here for safety and culture and suppressed knowledge reasons. Lewis wrote, My grandfather fled following the Soviet takeover of then Czechoslovakia and met my grandmother in Australia. They then immigrated to the U.S. I'm working on my visa to return back to Australia to flee the neo-fascist takeover in America. And Jen commented on Instagram, Definitely not the first person who said this, but leaving is the new American dream. Another person who has contemplated leaving is Wajahat Ali, who wrote about it for the Daily Beast in a column called, Is It Time to Leave America? This is not a flippant or hyperbolic thought exercise, writes Ali, who is Muslim and U.S.-born, and I'm not the only one to increasingly ponder the question, where else can we go when this country turns on us? Ali is also the author of Go Back to Where You Came From and co-host of the podcast Democracy-ish. Thanks for coming on to talk about this with us, Wajahat. Thank you for having me. So how often have you asked yourself if it's time to leave or talk to your wife about it? 
Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause I wrote this book called go back to where you came from. And I get these emails every day where people give me this unsolicited advice to go back. And I'm like the Bay area. I would love to, if I could, right, you're you from know. Fremont. <laughs> yeah. If you could subsidize my rent. Sure. And so it's one of those situations where, uh, in the last two years, you know, it was my father originally, a man who came here after 1965, you know, an immigrant with the American dream, thanks to the Immigration Nationality Act, you know, built himself up from the bootstraps. He's been here for most of his life. And for the first time ever, my father, and he survived a lot, you know, my mom and my dad have gone through a lot, but they've also yeah. gone through the war on terror against Muslims, right? He was the one for the first time in his life brought up the topic, hey, have you thought about moving? And I said, what do you mean? He says, because I don't think this country will be sustainable, especially for Muslims and people of color. I think if Trump wins again in 2020, and even with Trumpism, I think they'll turn on us. I think it's safe just to consider researching. And I thought he was just, you know, having fun, but he actually like literally has spent like time thinking about other countries. And so I, I kind of ignored it, but increasingly just to, you know, I broached this topic with my wife a couple of months ago. I said, listen, I don't know what's going to happen in this country. And we got three kids and I'm willing to stay here and fight. But for our three children who are brown skinned with multisyllabic names who are raising Muslim, you know, this country might turn on them <laughs> like it has turned on so many others. And maybe it's just wise for us as parents and guardians to at least entertain the idea that maybe we might have to go somewhere. And then the question then becomes, well, where can you go, which is safe? What, what place is safe right now? And so that's what began this thought experiment. And then I was, the reason I wrote about it was because I realized I was not the only one. So many other parents of different generations, different ethnicities were entertaining for the first time the idea of, well, what happens if America becomes unsustainable for us to live and to raise our children in a way in which they feel safe and secure. And, and yeah. it's, it's saddening and painful to even have this conversation, but I realized very quickly we weren't the only ones. Yeah, it is saddening and painful to have this conversation. In fact, we had a listener, Melissa, who wrote in ahead of the show, yes, it is the plan. I am part culturally French and have been generally wanting to move back. COVID refocused that plan. Recent months of lie-fueled restructuring of election laws eroded what little faith I had left in our culture. The recent Supreme Court decisions have left me in a daze. I have an image of a person in shock dragging themselves away from a crime scene to a sense of safety, which may or may not be real, but which is required for healing and hopefully thriving again. I feel sad to be saying all this and surprised so many others are feeling and thinking similarly, requiring your reporting. It should be a relief to know I'm not alone, but it is not. So it really is uh, sad and painful. And, and Melissa also references COVID here. I am curious if... Or what are the incidents or experiences that have sort of prompted you to keep returning to this question lately of whether or not it's time to leave? If you're a person of color in America, oftentimes you have to love a country that doesn't love you back, right? And I was born and raised in this country, and we've talked about this before, where when I was growing up, the worst thing I was called was Apu or Gandhi. And it's like, oh, thank you for comparing me to a beloved peaceful leader who helped overthrow British imperialism. But now, you know, in 2022 America, Islamophobia and anti-Muslim bigotry are so mainstream that one of the major political parties just campaigns on it openly, right? Like people say, oh, things have gone so much better. Of course, there's been progress. 
But my kids are inheriting in America where literally a Republican elected official can promote hateful conspiracy theories about Islam and Muslims and get rewarded. And that's an America that I did not know, right? So that's an America in which my kids are inheriting. That's an America in which right now Asian Americans are being beaten up and killed because they're blamed for COVID, a, a pandemic that has killed 6 million people that has no ethnicity, right? And we're seeing the rise of fascism, the normalization of white supremacist talking points. A third of Americans believe in the replacement theory. That literally is a conspiracy that came from the swamps of the KKK skinheads and Nazis that believe that says that people like you and me are actively replacing white folks and trying to weaken Western civilization. And then you also see disinformation. You see a fractured America where, you know, people feel like their votes no longer matter, right? You see this latest poll that came out of the New York Times that young folks feel like the, the systems uh, ins institutions of democracy do not benefit them. Mm. You're seeing a rollback on 50 years of protected rights. You see the Supreme Court hijacked by extremists who now say they're hinting that they're going after birth control. And, and it's kind of like one of those situations where you're like, oh, we emerged at the tail end. We're on the downward slope. And then the fear is, what about my children, right? So I'm willing to stay and fight until the end. I, I, my wife and I are. But the concern then, Mina, is what about my kids? And at the end of the day, as a parent or a guardian, you want to protect your children. And you can be a patriot and be like, I'll stand my ground and I'll fight. And then I sometimes think to give a Game of Thrones reference, an exquisite Game of Thrones reference, is my job to be Hodor? Do I sacrifice my body and let the demons kill me just so my kids and their generation has a head start and they run off into the forest? Well, where are they running off to? Are they running off to an America that will embrace them? Or do I have to think about another country and where they can have security and peace? Yeah. Well, I want to bring Bridget into the conversation. Bridget McCurtis is a DEI and leadership strategist who lives in St. Kitts. Bridget, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Bridget. Are you there? Hi, I am here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Really glad to have you on. And I understand you have actually moved from New York on January 6th of last year. So obviously that was not what precipitated the move. But I am curious when you found out what happened on that day, did it make you feel better about leaving? Uh, interesting interesting question, uh, because of course I found out after I landed and had gone out to the beach to stand and, you know, in its glory. And then I came back to all of these texts and all of this news. Um, it wasn't part of the impetus, but, but that was an opportunity where we got to see who America really is. And so I can't deny that having a sense of who America is before that didn't have something to do with my decision. Yeah. So I absolutely. wasn't running from, you know, America per se because of that, but that very much so probably is encroached in my reasons for choosing to leave. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a lot of pull factors that would draw you to St. Kitts for so many reasons, mm -hmm. but I am curious, what is it about St. Kitts that felt like the right place for you specifically, mm -hmm. especially related to some of the issues in the U S Right. So for me, I, I have, so essentially as someone who's my purpose in life is to help individuals and teams be their best. That is what I do, whether I do it as a strategist, whether I do it as a coach, um, you know, and so St. 
I had, I've had a wandering spirit. I'm a citizen of the world. <laughs> and I would go to the Caribbean um, and Latin America often. So I knew that those kind of environments were really important in my own spiritual path and the work that I do, because I incorporate that into the work I do. But St. Kitts in particular, where I have no heritage, I have absolutely no heritage connected to St. Kitts. I came here sort of on a fluke a couple of years ago, but then when I chose to come back, I specifically chose to come back because it is a black governed country. And I apologize that you're getting a little background. We just got a, one of those lovely Caribbean showers coming through. Uh, you may hear nice. a little bit of that in the background. Um, so it's a country that's not only governed by black people, but there are dark black people who rule. So having spent a lot of time in the Caribbean and Latin America, I go to many places and many Spanish speaking places in particular, but many places where leadership is light. So maybe melanated, obviously, and there's this great nationhood um, or nationality sense, but it was intrigued. My, my research is around racial identity and more specifically racial esteem, how you feel about race. Um, and so it, that was part of the reason that I made that decision. Also low crime, uh, low COVID numbers at the time. Um, and it was accessible as a woman who was going alone. Yeah. Did you hesitate on this decision? I'm curious what was hardest about leaving the U.S. for you? Mm -hmm. So I had been considering for years uh, moving, and I and I have to be completely transparent. While yes, I have moved, and I spent you know the full last year here and never left the island, and I'm sitting in St. Kitts right now. Um, I, I'm almost cheating. I keep a place in Wisconsin. I make sure that I have opportunity to vote um, because mm -hmm. I do feel a pull and responsibility. Um, to the U.S. and, you know, so, but, but I can be my best here right now. So the work that I get, I sit in every day, DEI work, you know, work of helping, um, helping professionals. It's important for me to be here, to be whole and to be my best. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so all of those things were, were sort of wrapped up in that. Yeah. DEI work in some ways is almost the expression of optimism for this country being able to be better. Uh, well, Bridget McCurtis, really appreciate hearing your reasons um, and can relate. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure, thank you. Bridget McCurtis is a DEI and leadership strategist who now lives in St. Kitts. We're talking about leaving the U.S., the idea of leaving the U.S., and why so many listeners have shared that they are, for the first time or once again, considering it. We're also talking with Wajahat Ali, who is a columnist for the Daily Beast, wrote a piece called, Is It Time for Me to Leave America? And you, our listeners, can join the conversation. Have recent events had you asking yourself that very question? You can tell us by calling 866-733-6786. You can tell us why by emailing forum at kqed.org or finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you haven't left yet, you can tell us what your breaking point might be. We'll have more after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, my name is Ramana. I'm an NPR member. You know, to the question of whether I would leave the U.S., yeah, I've thought about that a lot. I actually was born and grew up abroad. I lived much of my life up until I was 25 outside the U.S., a couple different places in Latin America and also in Europe, family uh, around the world. I have places I could go for sure. And I think that the difficulty is, you know, means. I live in LA and I work in the entertainment industry and I love my job. Um, But increasingly I feel unrepresented in this country. I feel like this country is going in a totally polar opposite direction that I would want it to go in. Hi, my name is Jeremy. I'm 51. live in Ventura County. And uh, yeah, I've considered leaving this country um, more and more each year. Number one reason is I have kids in school and of shootings every day is just out of control. When nothing happened legislatively after Sandy Hook, I knew nothing would ever happen. Not that hard. Look at Australia, New Zealand, Japan, look at the United Kingdom. There's really no way to live. I'm also the Second Amendment, and I have, I don't know, half a dozen firearms myself. But uh, it should be way harder to uh, acquire and maintain a firearm than it should be to get a driver's license. Yeah, the answer is yes. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. And if you haven't guessed from those voicemails, we're talking about why people are considering leaving the U.S. in some instances for the first time. We're talking about it with Wajahat Ali, a writer. His book is Go Back to Where You Came From and co-host of the podcast Democracy-ish, who wrote a piece Uh, For the Daily Beast called, Is It Time for Me to Leave America? And you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. Have you had this thought? Even if practically, financially, realistically, it really, you can't, which is the reality for the vast majority of us. Do you find yourself asking yourself this question? Why? Or do you have a breaking point that you are looking at that would mean, yes, it's time to go? The other thing that I'd love to know, listeners, is if you would never leave, why would you never leave? What keeps you here? You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. And, of course, we've also had listeners calling and writing in before. And Wajaha Ali, hearing Jeremy's comment and some of the things that some of the comments that we've gotten before the show, for example, like this one from a listener who writes, uh, I'm tired of do nothing Democrats, corporations lobbying politicians, tax loopholes for the rich and business and a complete disavowal of climate change. Why should I can why should I want to continue to live in a country that treats so many people as second class citizens? I refuse to have children in a country that allows them to be killed at school, that does nothing to combat gun violence, that doesn't believe in affordable housing, living wages, and women's bodily autonomy. I'm almost thirty six years old and I don't think things will improve in my lifetime. In fact, I've observed a decline my entire adult life. 
That comment, Jeremy's comment, makes me think of a line in your piece, Watch Hot, where you said that Democrats bring a pencil to a knife fight. Do you think also what's contributing to people losing faith is just this sense that uh, if you're a Democrat, you don't feel like your party's fighting back hard enough? Yeah, yeah. I often say that Democrats bring a blunt pencil to a knife fight and Mitch McConnell brings a bazooka uh, and everyone loses. It's it's a reflection that the institutions that are put in place to allegedly help people have failed us and are only benefiting those individuals who are wealthy, powerful and privileged. Right. And that so many are asked to buy in and believe into these ideologies and systems that have never benefited them. So when you see young people say, you're asking me to invest in democracy and you're asking me to invest in capitalism, you're asking me to believe in the Supreme Court as an institution, what have they done for me lately? And I stood out during a freaking pandemic and voted for Democrats to bring about change. And now there's gridlock. You know, most people don't understand how the the government works. Most people aren't that sophisticated in understanding that even though there's a 50-50 tie in the Senate, those 50 Democrats represent 40 million more Americans but thanks to gerrymandering and you know systemic inequality and the structures that are put in place, the majority increasingly is being ruled by a minority. So what happens is it increases this type of uh, exasperation, a type of helplessness and a fatigue. And sadly, Mina, that type of fatigue is exactly the ingredient necessary for fascists. They want you to feel helpless. They want you to feel that you have no power. They want you to tap out. They want you to cede the ground. And this in a strange way now, to flip it, inspires me to stay and fight because I know this is part and parcel of the strategy for authoritarians and fascists is to make the majority feel like their voice doesn't matter and there's nothing that you can do. And so cynicism and apathy become very comforting, but then they also become very cheap and lazy, but you can't blame people for feeling this helpless when they do everything and they don't see their leaders represent their values, right? And so this is why the hope here is that enough people feel this way, enough people feel exasperated, enough people feel angry and upset, and you need to mobilize the majority to put pressure on our elected officials. And people underestimate the power of the majority. I'll give you an example, and it's an extreme example. Sri Lanka right now, the people are like, we're done with this. And they literally just like marched to the president's palace. And now the, the former leaders are in the Maldives, right? It's one of those situations where what, what inspires me to fight is, is the flip side of exactly what Jeremy was saying. You know, I have children and it's about security. And we're, we're living in a country right now where the number one killer of children and young teens is guns. And I agree with them. After Sandy Hook, nothing happened. I realized this country would never change on that. But I still have to fight for my children and future generations because I have privilege. And so a part of me then, the, what keeps me here is I have to stay because I know there's so many other people like me who feel this way. And if we can organize a groundswell, we can, inshallah, God willing, maybe, maybe shift this country towards a better future. The story is still being written. Hmm. Let me go to Ali in Sunnyvale. Hi, Ali. What's on your mind? Yeah, hi. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to voice my opinion as a minority Muslim. I'm of the Shia faith, and Shias are minorities even among Muslims that are persecuted throughout the world. I feel that America is still the place, the most safest place for me as an immigrant Muslim for my children. And I try and teach them to be proud American Muslims because America has something very unique, which is the Constitution. And I feel that if more of us try and protect and defend the Constitution of our country and try to resist the white supremacists and those forces that are trying to divide us, there's no other place in the world 
as safe for Muslims as is America. Only in America can you practice your faith without fear. And even if there is some level of fear, you can overcome that with the help of the multitude of millions of good European descendant Americans. So the change that we're seeing now is understandable. You know, it's the last gasp of the white supremacists is what I tell myself. But not, you know, the, the advice that I'd like to give Ajahn is don't give up on America. If, if we stay here and we, we can make this place much better. Thank you. All right, Ali. Well, thanks for sharing where you are on this. Let me go to Jennifer in Menlo Park. Where are you, Jennifer? <laughs> Hi. Um, thanks for taking me, too. I, I am a OBGYN in this area. I do abortion care as part of my routine um, work. And I'm also a mother of two young girls. And in addition to the gun issue that um, a couple of callers have brought up, for me, it's also what's happening with abortion rights and reproductive rights right now. And, you know, we, we think in California that we're safe, but um, look at what's happening to the doctor in Indiana right now who, uh, you know, it, it's still legal to 22 weeks and this is still happening to her. She's being persecuted. And you know, I think when I've talked with my husband, I think our line in the sand, even if logistically it's not actually po- possible to leave, my, my line in the sand is that there's a national abortion ban because I can't mm. raise my daughters in a country where they're treated like second-class citizens. That's, uh, I just don't know how to overcome that. Jennifer, thanks for sharing that as well. Well, also on the line now, we have Ariane Jolivet, a Los Angeles-based writer, Ariane, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's such an honor to be able to join the conversation with Wajahat and Bridget, who shared such profound thoughts and all of the thoughts that we've heard shared from listeners as well. And I know you've been having thoughts too, thoughts about leaving the U.S. that are profound as well. Can you tell us why? Yeah, of course. So um, just some context. I'm a non-binary Black lesbian. Um, being in the United States is always kind of some to speak to something that Wajahat said earlier about, you know, living here is often loving a country that doesn't love you back. Um, That's a very prevailing sentiment uh, for me personally as a Black person, something I've heard and engaged with my whole life. Um, And so it's never really been not on the table to consider seeking um, a home that is more embracing of the identities that I align with. Um, and of course, recently with Roe and all of the the um, discussions around what could happen to Oberfell as a lesbian and as a woman or a woman aligned person, um, it's it's difficult to really see a future that is safe for not only me, not only my fiance, but also um, our children. And uh, and that's really scary. Yeah, we heard Jennifer say just then that for Jennifer, it's a national abortion ban. Do you too have a line? Do you too have a a breaking point that you've discussed with your fiance that would prompt you to really seriously consider it since it sounds like you're wrestling with it more now? It is. It's very much a wrestling rather than kind of trying to come to any defined answers about what that breaking point might be. I've been talking about what my threshold might be. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you align with the identities that I do, it it comes with an amount of accepting discomfort and and to a degree systematic and institutionalized inequity that makes it a bit harder to say like, well, what's going to be it for me? Because it's already quite difficult to live here. Um, 
aligning with the identities that I do. Um, and so with Roe, it, it was never supposed to happen, right? There's so much discussion about how it, it, it was the thing that would never change. And then it did. And with Oberfell now on the line, it, it kind of has to be that, right? I, I don't really want to be on the other side of such a kind of traumatic shakeup, uh, unawares and kind of unprepared. And so it's mostly just kind of discussing if it comes to that point, what measures we need to take and what, where we could go, which of course is, is fraught in and of itself because it's not as though other places that might seem safer don't have their own wealth of issues and don't have folks within those communities feeling similar sentiments to the ones that I do now here in, in America. Yeah, that's such an interesting point in terms of we really have no idea if another place is better or if similar issues will plague them as well. It's right. it's a leap of faith. Well, Ariane, I really appreciate you sharing what you're thinking about and, and how you're wrestling with it all. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Ariane Jolivet, they're a Los Angeles-based writer. And we also have Wajahat Ali with us, uh, who has been contemplating this as well, especially his Daily Beast piece, Is It Time for Me to Leave America, which he re-upped recently. It is interesting, Wajahat, that last part that Ariane was talking about. We had this listener on Instagram write, many people I know are spitballing this option of leaving America. What I don't think they take into account is one, other countries have immigration hurdles, just like we do in America. And two, what's the assurance that the newly chosen home isn't going to suffer similar problems? As we see over and over these days, things can go to hell overnight. Also, there's something important to be said for staying and trying to make a difference instead of leaving. Do you think about that? Like, I think one of the places you said your dad was saying could be a good option was Canada. And uh, I've heard other Canadians talk about how they're they're worried about sort of a, a, a rise there of fascism as well or, um, you know, extremism as well. <laughs> so do you do you wonder if other places are really going to go through what we've been living through already <laughs> for yeah, years. No, of uh, but I, I will say there's three things here when it comes to other countries, right? Uh, there, there's no utopia, right? Uh, we're seeing the rise of fascism and the death rattle of white supremacy, which has turned into a death march all over the world. What's happening, though, in, say, in Canada or England and some other countries is the following, which makes them, which, and it shows you how America is unique and sometimes the bad ways. They don't have guns in these countries. They don't have the same level of gun violence. And I joke about it, some dark humor, but that's number one. They don't have the same level of gun violence. Number two, another uh, listener, the doctor said this, uh, United States joins two other countries in the past 50 years that has actually gone backwards on abortion rights, whereas the majority of the world has gone forward. So now it is very real possibility that if Republicans take control of the Senate, they'll, you know, uh, eliminate the filibuster and essentially ban abortion. So women's rights. And then number three, the right wing parties in, say, Canada and other countries. Yes, there are extreme, but even those right wing parties believe in climate change. The Republican Party in the United States is very unique, a unique outlier with the right wing parties all across the world in, in which they deny climate change. You know, Donald Trump calls it a hoax created by China. So if you're looking at literally an existential threat, guns, climate change and a woman's ability to have an abortion, which, you know, if you're a healthcare professional or if you're just a woman and you know how the body works, you know, you realize that many women have to have abortions to save their lives due to miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies in the United States of America right now in many states. 
uh, zero exceptions for rape and incest, zero. And some people are, are saying, well, you know, don't worry, we'll make exceptions for ectopic pregnancies. But now we're seeing healthcare providers say, whoa, 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 should we, should we not? We don't want to go to jail. So this is so extreme and beyond the pale that, you know, many people like your listeners have called in and said, these are my red lines. Like if they ban abortion, I got to leave. Guns are already my red line. Climate change is my red line. And unfortunately- yeah, Same-sex marriage, in, if it goes- Same-sex right, marriage. Right. And in America, what we're seeing is a backsliding where in these other countries where it's not perfect, at least on these issues, you won't, your kid won't get shot in school. Well, this listener just along these lines uh, writes- my wife has a Canadian passport, though she's never lived in Canada. We often talk about what it would take for us to consider leaving. I think it comes down to whether our children can be safe here and whether we can reasonably believe they can be safe in the future. I don't believe people with uteruses can truly be safe without access to legal abortion. If that right were to begin to be endangered, even in California, I think we would have to consider leaving. If our same-sex marriage were to be dissolved, I think we would have to consider leaving. Because how can we feel safe if our family's legal structure is simply invalidated? I think that may be the sign that we have reached a tipping point and that we would need to try to find a safer place to be a family. Mm. This other listener writes, this is so sad, and I'm so grateful that you're surfacing this topic. So many of my friends and I talk about this all the time. That said, I'm working hard with Rep. Adam Kinzinger's group, Country First, and feeling very heartened by so many awesome people across the political and geographic spectrum who are working hard to transform things here. No easy answers in this era of upheaval, upheaval working toward a peaceful transformation. It's interesting, actually, uh, there was an Economist YouGov poll that was taken, I think, in January that also found that conservatives are feeling disaffected, uh, and though it's it's actually considerably more liberals who have considered leaving the country permanently. I think it was like two-thirds to one-third. But of the reasons that some of um, the more uh, conservative conservatives or say are things like they're concerned about socialist programs that we can't pay for or a loss of freedom and government intrusion like mask mandates or a loss of religious freedoms and so on. But I guess the point I'm making is that it just feels like overall people are in a pretty dark mood across this country, across um, across the political spectrum. Yeah, we're we're overwhelmed with uh, an onslaught, an avalanche of crises, right? Oh, and oh, by the way, you know, there's also a pandemic, right. and you know, in this moment, you you feel like you feel helpless. You feel like the sand underneath your feet is shifting. You have nothing to hold on to. The institutions that you relied upon are unreliable. Your elected officials are betraying you. And as such, people are feeling helpless and they feel like we just have to outsource the problem and we have to, we have to fix this and it has to be a magical solution. And when you have this feeling of helplessness and apathy, as we've discussed, usually when you feel like you have to outsource the problems, this is where you outsource the the solution to authoritarianism. An authoritarian rises and says, I, I alone can fix this problem. And you're you're seeing this, this, this shift towards people saying, okay, well, we'll put our all our money into that authoritarian and let's see if he or she can fix this problem where you know these institutions have failed. And this is where it's a recurring theme because we have to have some positivity here, I think, unless we want to just punch ourselves in the face and cry <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the rest of the day. We're, we're not going to do that. Sorry, yeah. I've got to interrupt you, but we'll have some positivity after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, this is Kaylee. I'm calling in from Marin County regarding um, would I leave America? The answer is no. I would not leave America permanently. Yes, we absolutely have our faults and there are bad things, but it's a lot worse in other countries. And that's why I always recommend travel. You come back appreciating what we have here. I am the son of immigrants and I have traveled to Europe and to uh, South America and Central America. And I would never leave this country because this is, from my uh, assessment and observation, this is the best country in the world. Am I happy with the recent Roe versus Wade turnaround? I think that was a disastrous decision. But to leave this country, no, I'd rather stay here and see how I can influence uh, decision. We're talking this hour about whether or not you consider leaving America, and if not, what keeps you here? This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Wajahat Ali is with me, a columnist for The Daily Beast. His piece is, Is It Time for Me to Leave America? His book is Go Back to Where You Came From. He's also the co-host of the podcast, Democracy-ish. You, our listeners, are sharing how you are feeling about this, whether recent events have you thinking for the first time or even putting into action plans to leave, or if it's making you rethink about what it means to be an American, stay here, and what makes America worth staying in and fighting for. You can tell us if that is the case. We'd love to hear um, what you love about living here and and why you would stay. You can email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. You can call us at 866-733-6786. Just before the break, uh, Wajahat, you were about to share with us why you don't want to leave us feeling punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think there's enough to be depressed about uh, nowadays, right? <laughs> and you're like, everyone who's listening to this while, while driving, you're like, oh, my God, probably going to go and like have like a lot of cookies and, and snacks and Snickers bars just to feel better. Uh, I'm here to make you gain weight, ladies and gentlemen. I, I am an old ethnic grandmother. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, I'm an American. I was born and raised in this country. This is the country that I call my home. This country belongs to me. And this is a country, like I said before, uh, that I love, even though it doesn't always love me back. I have chosen to marry uh, an American citizen. She is also born and raised in this country. We have decided to raise our three beautiful kids in this country called America. And as a student of American history, 
I know that people who have looked like me have been the outsiders, the antagonists, the villains, the punchlines, the sidekicks. We have always had to fight for democracy and for our rights. And we've had to fight for a country that often doesn't fight for us back. This is nothing new. And so there is a part of me, which is this stubborn curmudgeon, like, you know, patriot who realizes that this is the big fight. You know, as I said before, we're witnessing the death rattle of white supremacy that has become a death march and they have, they are playing for all the marbles, Mina. And I feel like there is a chapter yet to be written in America where we can finally achieve this multicultural democracy that we always rave about, right? The American dream that unfortunately has been the, the nightmare for so many. And, and what gives me hope is just listening to the people who have called, there is a passion, there is a sincerity, they care about this country, there's a fear, there's a desire to make it better. We have the numbers. And I feel like if those numbers organize, there is still an opening here. There is still an opening that we can take this country back for the majority and push back against fascism, but we need allies. We need enough people to get off the seats and we need enough people to throw on in the ring. And the final thing I'll say here, thank you for letting me filibuster, is where people feel overwhelmed I feel that everyone can contribute a footprint and do something at least locally in your family, in your workplace, in your community. You can be the, the America you want this country to become. Everyone has something, Mina, but you have to do something in your local community. And that gives you a feeling of autonomy and power, because otherwise, if you look at what's happening around the world, you feel overwhelmed. So I want to invite people to throw their hat in the ring and start first and foremost in your family. And then move out, you know, in your community and in your workplace. And this is how we make systemic change. Well, let me go to caller Alex in San Anselmo. Hi, Alex. Hi there. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have actually considered uh, leaving America. And for many reasons, um, you know, the erosion of our democratic norms, uh, the erosion of women's rights, our appalling track record on climate change and our obdurate unwillingness to address it. Uh, but I'm not going to leave quite yet. Uh, it, it might seem obvious. I'm a, you know, I'm a male tech engineer in the Bay Area. I'm privileged in a lot of ways. Uh, in another way, I'm privileged. I'm actually a dual Canadian citizen, so I'm free to go at any time. But I want to stay and, and fight for what we can do better here. Um, and one thing that comes to mind, chief among those structural problems we have, is the way that senators are apportioned between states. Uh, it's, it's frankly absurd that Wyoming, with a population of 580,000, has the same two senators that California does with 40 million. Uh, but there's an opportunity there. A mere 200,000 West Coasters, newly freed to work remotely, could tip the balance in Wyoming, which would tip the Senate, which would change a lot of things. So I would... Uh, like to encourage our readers to keep that in mind. There's ways to fight that may not be obvious and they're not mm. comfortable or convenient, but uh, you know, they're out there. So let's bear that in mind and I'll take banter offline. Thanks so much. <laughs> okay, Alex. Thanks. Um, Andrew writes, the only thing stopping my family from leaving for Europe is my American-based family, extended family, and the thought that my kids won't get as competitive in education there when they would than they would here. We have been too lazy about voting for our beliefs. It's time for us to show up at the polls. 
Max writes, I'm a Jew. I will not let the most powerful military in the world fall into fascist hands. Robert writes, I'm a proud Californian. I love it here. I love the people. I love the outlook. I don't want to relocate. I want California to leave the union peacefully, (laughs) constitutionally, but permanently. We need a constitutional amendment that will let Texas, California, or Alaska leave the union if they want. So there are a few few ideas that some people have, or at least... The things that keep people going, it is true, we're constantly moving. Uh, if if things were static, maybe we'd have a reason to believe that uh, we should just wallow in despair but or get the, get the heck out. But, but time marches on, and what we do with that time uh, is, is still an option, I guess. Um, maybe that's something I'm trying to tell myself right now. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and we're both parents, right? And so we, we we can't just be that selfish. We we always in the back of our heads uh, are thinking about the future and our, our children and future generations, right? But it's, it's it's interesting. One of your listeners, I think the the gentleman who uh, recommended we all move to Wyoming, uh, <laughs> he talked about privilege, right? And this was yeah. a conversation I had with my wife. My wife said, "Listen, as people of privilege, you know, are we?" are we just abandoning those without privilege? Isn't it our duty to use our privilege to stay here and fight for those who can't? She's a healthcare provider. She's a doctor, right? But then I want to give a flip side to that. My my co-host on the podcast is Danielle Moody. She's a Black queer woman. And she said, you know, how as a Black queer woman living in a country that has always turned on me, how can you expect me not to even entertain leaving? Even not entertaining that is an act of privilege, right? Because you can afford to sit there and say, well, I'm going to stare you and fight. Well, what about me? (laughs) A country that won't fight for me and uh, continuously attacks me. I have to entertain this. What's so interesting is her parents are Jamaican immigrants who for the longest time said, oh, Danielle, you're too cynical. Uh, You know, this is America. This is a great country. You have to stay here. And just like my parents for the first time in the last two years, they've come around and said, you know what? It's smart to at least entertain that option. Well, Benjamin writes, I'm in complete agreement with your guests. I fear the USA is streaming towards esteeming toward fascism, and I cannot tolerate being a supporter of such a state. I keep asking myself, where should I go? My wife led Vietnam, yet now she fears the people who promulgate the hatred of Asians. We may need to bounce around the world until sane people reassert their roles in governing America. And Anthony writes, 13 states never repealed their sodomy statutes. After Dobbs and the encouragement of Justice Thomas, these states will enforce their sodomy laws again, confident that convictions will be upheld by a friendly Supreme Court. As a gay man, I feel that a target has been painted on my back. It won't be long before gay men will be imprisoned again for who they love. At 77, it would be difficult to leave, but I would like to. Let me go to Suzanne in Sebastopol. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I, I feel like I'm hearing a lot of the same things that, that I'm feeling as well as a dual citizen. I have the ability to leave. And um, back in 2016, when Trump was first elected, my daughter was saying, we've got to leave. And my feeling at that point was just like, absolutely not. This is my country. I'm going to stay here and fight for it. I'm not going to let these folks do anything to to take that away. But, you know, given the Given the recent turn of events with Roe, um, the continued mass shootings, I spent a month in Australia this last spring and came back the week that Uvalde happened. And it's shocking. It's horrifying that this country can't get itself together. And still these lies persist that the laws don't work. And that's crazy because we see it happening elsewhere. I would leave right now in a heartbeat given the current circumstances. But I have aging parents and, you know, another 
reason for me to stay is the terrible health care situation here. I don't want to leave my aging parents in a system where they may not get the care that they need and may need me to help them through that. So for now, I'm here um, and living in California, I feel very privileged. Um, I also feel like I'm in an echo chamber and there's not a whole lot of impact that I can make. It's really disheartening when my 20-year-old daughter, who will always vote, feels as though she will not see a change for the better in her lifetime. Well, Suzanne, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um, And we're getting so many calls and comments that are expressing just a similar feeling, concerns, questions, uh, that we're also getting, as uh, you mentioned and alluded to, Wajahat, Liz tweeting, not now, not yet. First, this is the home of my ancestors who came seeking more freedom and opportunity. Second, I'd be ashamed of quitting my country as it struggles when I might be able to make a difference. Third, I have privilege. Richard writes, no, I'm so glad my black ancestors weren't as easily dissuaded as are some of the callers. I hate the word snowflake, but come on, did you vote? All is not lost. <laughs> Let me just remind listeners that we are talking with Wajahat Ali about this question of leaving the U.S., which I think a lot of people circles, a lot of people and their circles are finding within their circles, people talking about what it would take to leave the U.S. and what that would really mean. Wajahat Ali's book is Go Back to Where You Came From. You can also hear him on the podcast Democracy-ish. His piece is, is it time for me to leave America? And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. So Wajahat, you have touched on the kinds of things that you think about uh, with regard to how you move through this space, right? From when you, because it comes up for you a few times, right? Where you ask this question, is it time to leave America? And then you have a conversation with your wife. And then you, in your heart, you say in the end, you know that you will not leave. But I am curious, like, besides that, what do you actually do to move through the space? I'm curious about your self-care regimen a little bit here. Yeah, you know, I think I'm so glad you're focusing on that because during this pandemic, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that we still have a pandemic, 6 million people have died. A lot of individuals are focusing on the word self-care and you and me are a part of the generation that never heard that. Like yeah. that's a new word that we got from Gen Z. We, you know, I'm going to make an assumption that we were part of the generation that said, just suffer quietly, just take it. Uh, you know, you, you just your job is just to smile and smile well through the pain. <laughs> Uh, right. And how, how dare you talk about self-care? That's a privileged thing that white people say. We're the children of immigrants. We just, you know, pray harder <laughs> and just take it. Drink some chai. Make stronger <laughs> chai. Um, and it's one of those situations where I feel like at this age and this stage of my life, I, I refuse to be bitter and cynical. And I refuse to be like Daffy Duck. And I gave this analogy before on your show where like, you know, Daffy Duck, the anvil always drops on his head. But Bugs Bunny, he confronts the fascists and the demons and the Elmer Fudds and um, the Yosemite Sams with a smile and he uses their booby traps against them so the way you process this all these challenges i try to have hope i try to invest in the narrative of hope there's a great saying uh in islam uh uh, plant a seed, even if you see the day of judgment coming, plant a seed. And also there's another great saying that says, uh, have faith in God, but tie your camel first, <laughs> which means do everything you can within your power to control and change your situation. So that's what keeps me grounded is I try to invest in the narrative of hope. I try to have faith that uh, I could do the best I can with the with the abilities that I have, with the time that I have. I spend every day a few minutes or, or just some time doing something that I love, cooks, 
play, you know, spend time with your kids, draw, paint, garden, work out, do anything, you know, for those who are listening that gives you some sense of joy and autonomy. And also, again, going back to what the listeners have said is that we do have more power than we realize in your local community you can actually have a positive footprint. One of the, and the last thing I'll say is one of the strategies of the right wing, which I openly call now a fascist movement that is a counter-majoritarian force, is to invade local spaces, school boards, medical boards, city councils, state legislatures, you know, one after another, after another, like a domino effect. We have the majority. When the people stood up, especially in school boards, that's when you see the stop, uh, that's when you see a stop against book bans, right? So I want people to reclaim their voice throw their hat in the ring and with whatever superpower that you have, because I believe everyone has a superpower, fight for this country. The Avengers aren't coming, ladies and gentlemen. The Avengers aren't coming. It's up to us to fight for this country and you don't have to wear a cape. Let me go to James in Oakland. Hi, James. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing all right. I wouldn't leave this country. It's like he said before, we all have to join into this fight. Instead of, you know, you know, we have brown and black people who always say they want change in the police force and the judicial system. But instead of running from it, you need to join it. You know, you need to join the police force to make the change. You need to join the House of Representatives, your local fire uh, department, you know, even join the military. As many, we always say, why should I fight for a country who doesn't love me? Well, you've got to at least fight for yourself and join the military so you can make the change within, so you know the country, all of a sudden now, it's you. It respects you. You join not only the military, but you join everything. You know, that's how you play a part. You don't run from it. You join it. So, you know, you just got to have the strength and the understanding of this country to understand how people are going to treat you and how, uh, what I want to say is, how you're going to have it um, turn out the way you want it to turn out. Yeah. You know? Well, well James, it, thanks it, for sharing what what's right for you and what you see as the, the pathway to change. Um, well, Ross writes, periods of moral panic have happened before, and then history drifts back toward a commerce center. The arm wrestling of leftists and rightists will continue, but life will too. Take it easy. Spend less time with, quote, news, and more with the tasks of the everyday. Good people of all political opinions are somewhere in our glue, which will keep us upright. Watch out. You end your piece saying that uh, that uh, you will you will revisit the conversation, you and your spouse will revisit the conversation in two years about leaving America, quote, just to be safe, <laughs> just to be safe. You want to say any last words about what that means? Yeah, you know, some, some people say, you know, that last comment was like somehow like, you know, said MLK quote, the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice. Well, realistically, you have to bend it. You have to bend it. <laughs> towards justice, right? You have to do the work. And some people who assume that just by sitting down and doing nothing, all of a sudden things will be okay and the institutions will protect us. Well, I'll give you January 6th. And that's why I want to revisit the conversation because I, I have a clear understanding, I think, of where this country is going if we don't step up and fight. But at the same time, there's only so much I can do. And again, I'm a parent like so many others and I have to worry about my kids. So for the safety and security of not only this country, but also my children, I have to at least entertain the idea that maybe, just maybe, we have to leave. But I'm willing to sit here and fight until the end. Wajahat Ali, thanks for talking with us, Waj.
Thanks, Susie Britton, for producing this segment. Thank you, listeners, as always. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.